the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and if you're a regular listener to this radio show, uh, you'll notice that it's not Pastor Ron who normally hosts this show. Uh, He's been saying uh, last week that I'll be filling in, and that's exactly what's happening. He is away for a couple of days, a few days actually, with uh, Paula at the Calvary Chapel Christian... um, CCA conference. <laughs> He's at the pastor's conference in California. So I, I said Calvary Chapel Christian Academy because that's the name of our school here. But He's not there for a school conference. He is there for the CCA conference there at Walrus's Church. So you can keep him in prayer. He misses you guys. He wanted you guys to know that he's doing fine. They landed. They're they're getting ready to enjoy their day together. But keep them in prayer because it's an important conference. They will be there till Wednesday, and they'll return here to the radio show for the date day edition on Thursday. So that's a programming note for you. I'll be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So it's Monday here at Calvary Chapel. That means it's our men's and women's and youth Bible study night. All separate Bible studies, we get together for worship and then break out into our separate groups. And tonight, I'll be teaching in Romans chapter 3. Linda McMillan will be teaching for the ladies. And uh, if you are a regular person that comes to the Monday night studies, you already know what to do. And if you're interested in coming to any of the Monday night studies, well, here's your invitation. Go ahead and come on in. At 7 o'clock tonight here at Calvary Chapel. Uh, quick recap yesterday. I hope you had a great day at church. We did. It was especially good because it was our daylight savings uh, annual, not annual, semi-annual pancake breakfast. That means had pancakes and sausages and, and breakfast for everybody that had a difficult time adjusting or just for those that were fine adjusting with the time change. Something we do, pretty neat, twice a year when the time changes, we have breakfast, and we had a great crowd yesterday. Lots of people, um, especially first service, which is really neat to see. A lot of people waking up early, I guess they really enjoy that extra hour of sleep. That's a good thing, a good thing. I pray that you have the same thing at your church, not the pancakes, but a great day at church, and that people got saved. All right. Let me give you the phone numbers to call in because it is a call-in radio show. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. That's the local number. And if you're out of the area, the toll-free number is 877-630-5757. That's 877-630-5757. The email is questions at calvarysa.com, questions, that's plural, 
at calvarysa.com. You can use our church app to submit questions. You can also use the KSLR app to listen live if you're driving in your car. It makes it super easy. All right, we've got a bunch of questions. Like I said, let's go ahead and jump right into them. Uh, Carson sends the first one. This is a pretty common one. It's a good one. How do I know? How do I know I know if I'm in God's perfect will? Uh, Carson, I don't know if you meant to reiterate the I know, I know, but I get the point. And this is a good question. And I think this is one of those questions, Carson, that we as Christians complicate. We don't need to make it complicated. How do you know if you're in God's perfect will? Well, Romans chapter 12 is where you get this question from. And I'm sure this is what you're thinking about. Chapter 12, verse 2, Paul's letter to the Romans says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's all it means. When you're with Jesus, you hear us often say, Just be with him. Just be with Jesus then you know you're in the center of his will. What that looks like is going to be different for different people. Each one of us have a different calling. We have uh, different things that God has put in, in our lives and in different time periods. And instead of looking at what other people are doing, uh, you stay faithful to what God has asked you to do. You stay in your lane, focused on his word, constantly listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and, and here, what you can discern, based out of Romans chapter 12, is this. If your mind is consumed with the things or the patterns of this world, then you're not in God's will. But if you're not conformed to the pattern of this world, and your, your heart and your mind is being renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, then, then you know you're in God's will. That's when you're in a place where God can use you and you'll know that his will is whatever he has put in front of you. And I think, Carson, this is where Christians make things too complicated. Part of the reason is because we want to know all the details. We want to know exactly what his will is for our life. We don't want to mess it up. And that's because we love God so much that we don't want to disappoint him. We don't want to let him down. Well, what I want you to know, Carson, is this. You don't have to think that way. When your heart is right with Jesus, you don't have to worry about messing things up. And when you have to make decisions in life, when your heart is right, you do what he tells you to do. And if you aren't exactly sure what he's telling you, well, with a heart that's led by the Lord, you take a step of faith. And if it isn't exactly what the Lord wanted you to do, you'll be correctable and you'll still be in his will. So being in God's perfect will is just being with Jesus. That's it. That's his good and pleasing, perfect will. And Carson, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. Now, here's one thing I will add to Carson. As you walk with Jesus and you get to know him more, what you'll find is that uh, he will speak to you or, or, or guide you by his spirit. But the longer you walk with him, the less you'll actually hear from him. Pastor Ron talked about this yesterday. So as a brand new believer, we want to know God's will. He guides us to the left. He guides us to the right. Like kids on a by learning how to ride for the first time. We've got training wheels that keep us sort of on the straight and narrow. And God does that because we're, we're newborn babes. But as we grow in our walk with the Lord, what will happen is less and less he will speak to us in that way. And more and more, what he'll do is say, trust me, trust my, my character as you see me revealed through my word. That means we got to know the Bible. We got to know Jesus more through the Word of God. Then you'll know you're in His perfect 
and pleasing will. And I love that, Carson, because uh, it offers us a sense of comfort, too. Because for those of us who are Christians that want to make sure we're in God's will, you never have to question if you're in God's will when you're walking with Jesus, because you already know you are. I love that. So I hope that helps, Carson. Okay, I'm going to read our next question, which is a little bit longer. I love that we've been getting these types of questions because uh, it two things. Number one, it shows that the Holy Spirit's really working in the specific things in, in our lives, in the radio listening audience. Some of your the things that the Lord is speaking to you about is very detailed, and I love that. And number two, it, it, I love that you're seeking godly counsel or you want to know God's will about these things that are going on in your life. And so thank you for the privilege of letting us help. Here's the question. Hi, Pastor Ken. We have close family members who are professing Christians and are living in sin. My husband and I have corrected them before. I have a younger brother who I love very much has been living with his girlfriend. They were living together before they got saved, and now they are saved. They haven't gotten married. They have been saved for about six months now. My sister is kind of in the same situation, but her boyfriend does not live there, although they are always together, and I know he stays with her often. My sister has been saved for about two years now. I love my siblings very much. I'm the oldest and I'm trying to be an example to them. However, I feel like we are not doing a favor by hanging out with them while they live in sin. They are such great aunts and uncles to my children and we all love them very much. It will be so hard to disconnect from them. Do I keep correcting them? Do I keep the peace and pray for them? What should my husband and I do? This is from Mary. Mary, I can help. And your question hits home for many people because I, I know in recent counseling, this is one of the things we deal with often. And I love the fact that you want to know what God's will is and how to, how to handle this in a biblical way. So here's the answer. You don't want to enable their sin. And when you continue with life as if they're not in sin, no matter what comes out of your mouth, you're going to enable them. Now, I, you said in your email, Mary, that you have corrected them before, and it's a good thing because the most loving thing you can do is to correct people whose lives are not right. But there's a couple of things I want to highlight here. You you said in your email that, that the, at least the first uh, couple you talked about, this is your younger brother, I believe. Him and his girlfriend were living together. They were not saved. They recently gave their life to the Lord, and they haven't gotten married. And, and they're still living together. There literally is no difference between what they look like now and what they look like before they were saved. If they truly have given their life to the Lord, there has to be a change. And I'm not talking about an outward change. I'm talking about an inward change of the heart where sin, any sin in their life would, would break their heart because they know it separates them from the one who has forgiven them of their sin. You see, being saved isn't just praying a prayer or or going to church. And if we get that into our minds, what we'll do is, is realize that we treat people according to the way they live, not the what they say. Now, I don't know your brother and uh, if they truly would, if they truly have given their life to the Lord, what I would say if I were you, Mary, to your brother is this, have a, a talk with them and say, look, if you really have given your life to the Lord, both of you, your, your lives need to change. And you don't change them, but the whole, you need to let the Holy Spirit change them. 
And, and that means getting rid of sin. Now, a lot of times, the, the pushback is going to be something along the lines of, you know, inconvenience and, and finances and living arrangements not being, you know, optimal. Uh, but you have to tell them that if you really love Jesus because he has forgiven you of your sin, then you'll put him first before anything and everything, even before each other. Living together as professing Christians is a horrible witness to each other. It's a horrible witness to the world around you. And by living together, what you're saying is that that sex before marriage is not that big of a deal. And if you're willing to defile one another before you commit yourselves to each other, then defiling each other now before you get married is, is, is a guarantee, pretty much a guarantee, that it's going to be exponentially worse after the wedding. And you're not even talking about getting married. So, Mary, what I would do is sit down with them and tell them, this has to stop. If you really belong to Jesus, if you're going to say that you belong to him, then he makes the rules. And what he says is this, flee from sexual immorality. This is God's will for your life. Don't leave even a, a shadow or, or, a, or a hint of ungodliness be around, especially since you have that history together. Because you've been given a brand new start. You've got a clean slate. Don't taint it or corrupt it with sin. And, and if they refuse to let the Lord change, then what I would tell them in love is that then we can't enable this. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're going to completely cut them off because they're always going to be part of your family. You know, having them over or coming over or having dinner together and acting like there's nothing wrong is not going to help them. And those are the kinds of things that, that you need to address. And, and think about this, too. I don't know if you, you have kids, but if you have kids and what you're doing by enabling your brother's sin is teaching your kids that what comes out of your mouth isn't something that you really mean. Because you're saying that their sin is okay. So you can't make people change, but you could tell them that there's consequences for their sin. And this, unfortunately, is going to be one of the consequences, not being around for a while. And I know you said in your email that they're great aunts and uncles, and, and of course they are. But if they're people that you really care about you won't let this continue for a day longer because this is what they need to know. They need to know that Jesus loves them and that he, he wants them to practice personal holiness, to commit themselves completely to him. That means getting rid of sin. So Mary, I know it's not a fun answer, sort of a painful answer, but I'll tell you this, it will be even more painful if you don't tell them to deal with it now. So thank you for your question. I let me make sure I. Oh, let me answer the last part here of your question here. You said, "Do you do I keep correcting them? Do I keep the peace and pray for them?" You always pray for them, but keeping the peace. If if I'm understanding what you're saying here is that you're just not rocking the boat, and you, then that's not the attitude you want to have. You want to address sin and deal with it. Pray for them, but also confront them with this sinful behavior because it doesn't honor the Lord. And, and yes, correct them. And if they're not listening, then you might have to distance yourself from them. Mary, I hope that helps. Thank you for your question. Okay, well, let me give you the phone numbers one more time, then we'll move on with our questions. 210-340-9585-210-340-9585-877-630-5757. That's the toll-free number, 877-630-5757.
questions at calvarysa.com. That's our email address if you want to submit questions that way. And then again, you could use our mobile app or listen on the KSLR app. Taking a breath here because it really breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, but Mary, that's the, that's the right thing to do. Okay. Anonymous, the next question is from you. I had a long-term sexual relationship with a man that was not a Christian, knowing that it was not God's will for me. It caused me a great deal of emotional pain even years after the relationship ended. I was told by a pastor that it was because I had, quote, unholy soul ties. I have never read this term in the Bible because it's not in the Bible. It reminds me of made-up terms like, quote, Jezebel's spirit. I was wondering if this was in the Bible or maybe he was trying to say I had no business being with that man, which I already know. Thank you. Uh, your discernment, Anonymous, is correct. Uh, Jezebel's spirit and unholy soul ties or ungodly soul ties sometimes is referred to. These things are completely unbiblical and they're just nonsense. It's sin. And uh, like I said, your discernment is right. I don't know who this pastor was or what he was trying to say, but anytime a pastor especially tr uses words like this, it's a red flag. Uh, a red flag because you probably need to prayerfully consider going to a different church. Because any church that teaches, you know, generational curses, ungodly soul ties, or, or things like this, is indicators that there are other deeper doctrinal issues. So to address your question, it, it's not in the Bible. Unholy, ungodly soul ties is uh, an ungodly concept made up to manipulate and psychologically uh, control people within the church. And we just need to call it sin. It makes it so simple. This is kind of like what I talked about earlier. You know, we Christians want to make things so complicated. There are no soul ties and there are no generational curses. Um, these are things we make up because we want to control people. But... Praise the Lord that you were able to discern that this is not from the Lord. Now, let me address which you had said in your email. You already know. I'm glad that you already know. You have no business being with that man. And good for you. Good for you. Very practically, we need to remember what Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthian church. Bad company corrupts good character. So stay away from people, stay away from relationships that are going to corrupt your relationship with Jesus. It sounds like you have already uh, realized this, and so that's a good thing. That's a, that's a huge blessing. Um, but as far as the... The specific question you had about the unholy soul ties, yes, run far away from that church. Don't listen to any counsel that comes from that church, including the pastor. Again, I don't know who it is, but it is a huge red flag that there are some other deeper doctrinal issues. And I don't apologize for saying that you need to go to a Another church that will teach you just the Bible. That will teach you the Bible. I have spent, Pastor Ron and I among, uh, have spent hours sitting with people and, and undoing a lot of the pain that comes from unsound churches that, have, that ruined people's lives. Now, the Holy Spirit is faithful to restore those that, that are honestly and genuinely seeking him. But I've seen the damage that takes place in the lives and in the marriages and in the families of people that have been uh, spiritually oppressed. 
under these types of churches, and they again use these terms to to manipulate you and coerce you and to make you feel guilty about about leaving. But these things are completely unbiblical. It's nonsense. And if you are in a church that talks about these things, um, and you have discernment that the Holy Spirit is telling you that something isn't right. Well, that's Jesus speaking to your heart and telling you, you may need to, uh, you should go somewhere else. Not you may need to, you should go somewhere else. And if you have any questions, you know, Pastor Ron always says, uh, we, we, we don't have any space here. We're not trying to invite people to our church. But if you have any questions or if you're looking for uh, a solid church in your area, then, then call us here at the church office and we'll, we'll be more than glad to, to point you in the right direction. <sighs> but yes, that's the unholy biblical ties or the unholy soul ties is just one of those mumbo-jumbo words that you'll hear people use in church to to manipulate you. So again, run far away and find another church. Well, you can hear the music. That means we are closing up the first half of the Monday edition of The Word to Stand On. My name is Pastor Ken, and I'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the Monday edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. Since I know some or maybe even many of the radio listeners tune in at the second half because maybe you're just getting off of work, you're on the freeway, heading home, you normally tune into this show right about now to listen to Pastor Ron. I'm filling in for him today um, and this week also, actually Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because Pastor Ron and Paula are at the Calvary Chapel Conference in California. They will be there till, till Wednesday and return here to the radio show for the date day edition on Thursday. So, until then, I have the privilege of filling in for them. Uh, my name is Pastor Ken Cruzado. And uh, if you listen to the show regularly, then my voice might be a little familiar because I've filled in here before for him. All right. Well, the show continues as usual. We take your calls and questions about the Bible, how it applies to your life. And what it means, uh, what you believe, and why you believe it, that's why we're here. So let me give you the phone numbers to call in. 210-340-9585. That's the toll-free number. 877-630-5757. We have an email address. That's questions at calvarysa.com. Questions, plural, at calvarysa.com. You can submit questions via the mobile app, the church mobile app, and you can call into the show using the KSLR app with the uh, call now button banner at the top, and it will connect you right to the producer at the radio station, and you can ask your question on the air. Okay, our next question is another one from Anonymous. Hi, Pastor Ken. I have unsaved family that I have shared the good news with, and they have rejected this from me and want nothing to do with Jesus. They get drunk mostly all the time when there are family occasions, and even though I have told them these things are wrong, they still continue to invite me over, but do the same, th but do the same things. Is it okay or wrong for me to keep going to these family reunions? Well, anonymous, this is very similar to the previous anonymous question. And the answer is still the same. Uh, you 
don't need to go to these events. Um, and it's, it's like going to a bar and trying to witness for, to people. It's an environment where if people are drunk, they're not going to be in their right minds anyways. And it doesn't mean that the Lord can't reach them, but why go up to a place where people aren't even listening to you? And, and even the ones that are, 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 are not of sound mind or, or sober-minded. And so it's not a, an opportunity that you could really use to witness to them. Now, could God use it? Sure, he could. But what, to answer your specific question, though, is it okay or wrong for me to keep going? I would suggest that you don't. How is God honored here? How, how is Jesus glorified when you're sitting there participating in these things? And, and you know, it's, I know it's, it's, it's a little touchy with family because you don't want to offend anyone. But like I told the previous anonymous question, I'll tell you the same thing. Uh, two things, actually. Number one, the most loving thing you can do is not just tell them, but actually live what you believe. Because I know personally, I was on the other side of this. It's one of those people that, that thought everybody that, that, that called themselves a Christian or that was super holy was a person that was hypocritical. And as an unbeliever, I'm looking for, I was looking for any opportunity to discredit whatever they were saying. And not that you're going to participate in it, but by going there and, and you know, hanging out as if there's nothing wrong, what you're doing is approving and enabling that type of behavior. And so if they're getting drunk mostly all the time, like you said, at these family occasions, then then don't go. Then don't go. Now, you want to be available to them, though. So when there isn't alcohol around and, and, and they, they're willing to sit down and talk to you, go grab a cup of coffee and see if they're willing to talk to you one-on-one -on -one where there's no distractions. I, I know you've already mentioned that you have shared Jesus with them and they want nothing to do with it. So if they're not listening, then you stop talking. But in, I'll tell you this, and this is the second part, because I know personally what that life is like. They will reach the end of the rope. They'll realize that in their sin, that time of pleasure turns into time of pain. And it always does that. Life of sin will always go from pleasure to pain. And when that happens, they know exactly who to call. They'll call you. And they'll say, I'm miserable. The life that I'm living is so empty. And it used to be fun, but it isn't fun anymore. And I find myself depressed and lonely. I find my relationships with people are, are falling apart. And I'm calling you because, well, you stopped coming to our family reunions and you stopped coming to our, all the gatherings. And I wanted to know why. And I promise you, the Lord will give you the opportunity because you've shared with them before and you told them that hope is available. You see, when people are still enamored with their sin, they're in that time of pleasure Usually their hearts aren't ready yet because they're not at the end of the rope. But as they continue in that state of pleasure, like I mentioned earlier, they will eventually get to that place where that pleasure turns into uh, pain. That's what sin does. Sin destroys lives. And when they get there, they'll know who to call. Also, especially if you have kids too, it's, you don't want to bring them around that environment. If you're married... Uh, you, you don't want to bring your wife or your spouse to that type of environment. I understand that they're family, but it's detrimental to your walk with the Lord. All because you don't want to look bad to family members. That's, that's a terrible witness. So Anonymous, I, I hope that helps. Again, I know it's not a, a fun answer, and, 
but I hope it's an encouraging one. Don't go to those reunions. Let's go to our phone lines. We have Jimmy on line one. You're on the air. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, Jimmy. Hey, hey um, um, this workplace that I'm at, um, they're, uh, they put out a letter saying that um, we need to get the uh, shot or else we're going to get transferred or somewhere else. And, um, hmm. you know, I asked the Lord about it and, and I'm just kind of scared. But um, I'm going to, I decided to get it and make an appointment. I'm just afraid that, that I might have a reaction to it or, or get really Jimmy, sick again. Jimmy, I really appreciate your call. And, and, and many, many, many people are in your same exact situation. And, and what I'm going to tell you is what I, I tell everybody else that, that I have this conversation with. This is a personal decision that between you and Jesus. And so I know you're not talking about exemptions. You're not talking about it. You've already said that, that you feel led by the Lord to go ahead and, and get it. And, well, God bless you. And I'll be praying for you, Jimmy, that there would be no side effects. But the most important thing is that you sought the Lord. You didn't go online and, and Google, you know, the pros and the cons of it, but you sought the Lord, Jimmy. And the Lord has given you direction. He's guided you by his spirit. And so don't let the the information or the, the, the social media sensations uh, distract you from what the Lord has asked you to do. You don't need to get other people's opinions about what they think about the vaccine and what 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 happened to them and what don't don't look up uh, the the extreme side effects and and because you'll find all kinds of cases of people that are on either side and there's just no value to that. So I love the fact, Jimmy, that you sought the Lord. And so, don't be discouraged. Um, you you have been given direction by Jesus. You're faithful. You're going in the direction he told you to go in. And what you know for sure is this, even if you don't know exactly what's going to happen, Jesus will be right there with you. You'll be holding his hand. He'll be holding yours. And knowing that you are right at um, the, the, the cliff's edge, if you will, holding Jesus' hand because that's the place he told you to be in, is really the safest place you could be. But you just have to make sure that where you're at is because Jesus told you to be there. I know you didn't bring this up, Jimmy, but one of the things that I tell people to consider is this. You know, whatever decision you make between you and the Lord, you make because Jesus has has spoken to your heart. And whatever consequences, if any, good or bad, come from it, Jesus will be right there with you. And so you have nothing to worry about. Don't give in to the sensation, uh, the, the media frenzy that's going on about uh, what people think. You do what Jesus says to do, and I promise you, even if you don't know what's going to happen, he does. And he'll be right there with you. I'll also be praying for you, Jimmy, that everything works out with your work, because again, so many people have been calling the church and we've been talking to people that are in your exact same situation, but you're doing the right thing. You do what Jesus says to do and you'll deal with whatever happens afterwards with Jesus. I'll be praying that you will be just fine. Does it, does that help you, Jimmy? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. So fix your eyes on Jesus and don't worry about the rabbit trails or the what-if scenarios. You're with Jesus. It's the best place, the safest place to be. 
Okay. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy, for your call. Always look forward to hearing from you. Okay, let's go back to our questions that have been submitted. David says, as people, the hurts, unforgiveness, the bitterness and resentment we experience and choose to hold on to are fully justified by the world's standards. But as Christians, is having our own negative thoughts a normal part of being human or do these thoughts constitute sin? That, David, this is a good question. It is not sin to have negative thoughts. It is sin to act on them. But we're going to have negative thoughts simply because we have flesh. But you don't have to act on them. In fact, you don't have to dwell on them. Here's what I do. When I have a thought that I don't know if it's from the Lord or not, I hold it up against God's word. If it's from the Lord, it's going to be confirmed in his word. But if it's not from the Lord, then immediately toss it out. Doesn't matter who it came from. Doesn't matter why they said it. Doesn't matter if it's true or not. And I hope you understand this. It doesn't matter even if it's true. Because the enemy will give us discouraging thoughts that are sometimes true. But that's okay. What we need to know is what God's word says and what are God's what are Jesus's thoughts on these things. Yes, there is unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment that that are all part of our lives and our our history. Past pains that you said in your question. The world will justify I say justify retaliation or acting on these things. Well, and you think about it. Right? The Lord, the word. I'm sorry. The world does not have the Holy Spirit. They have no capacity within themselves to to get over the unforgiveness, get over the pain, get over the bitterness. And so, the best that they they can do is act on these things. But as a born again Christian, you and I, David. We have the Spirit of God living in us. And because of that, when the negative thoughts come, when the unforgiveness rises up, and when past pains resurface, then we have the power of God's Spirit to say no to ungodliness. We're not going to take part and entertain those thoughts. And that's where we, walking with Jesus, being with him, it sets us apart from the rest of the world because they have no ability. The people of the world have no ability to do that. They can try their best. They can try their hardest, but it's not going to work. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I can say no to ungodliness. And it is a normal part of dealing with these negative thoughts. So when they come, don't be discouraged. Uh, we deal with them by holding up God's word against them. And maybe the Lord is trying to deal with something in your heart, David. Maybe there is a part of your life that you've sort of tucked away that the Lord wants to touch, a sensitive area, and he'll do that. That's not a discouraging or negative thought. It's a, it could be a painful one, but it's one that the Lord will confirm by his word through the power of his spirit and say, David, there's some things that, that we need to address. And that's a good thing. That's not sin. That's a good thing. But if there's thoughts that take you further away from Jesus, that discourage you, that bring up your past, that tell you things like uh, thoughts of, of you never changing or this part of your life is always going to be this way, that's from the devil. It's not true. And what he wants to do, the, the devil wants to do, is get your eyes fixed on yourself. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is get your eyes fixed on himself. 
And when you do that, you'll be able to deal with these negative thoughts, David. I hope that helps. Thank you for your question. Let's go on to the next question from Anonymous. My husband and I are Christians. We attend church and have two children together. My husband has become physically abusive towards me in the past few months when we have arguments. Every time he puts his hands on me, he always comes and says sorry after, but he eventually does it again. I'm heartbroken and don't know what to do. Can you please help? This is very important. Anonymous, you need to get help right now, immediately. Yesterday, you should have been out of that house, especially with the children there. You say you have two children. You need to get out now. At, if you don't have any place to go or any church to call, call your church. Talk to your pastor. If, if you can't find anyone, call us. The church office here is 210-658-8337, and we'll find help for you. But you need to get out immediately. That is not God's will for you to be in a place, especially with you and the kids, in an environment where there is looming danger, especially since he has already proven that it will cause physical harm to you. It doesn't matter if he says sorry. You need to get out. And so, uh, please, I'm, I'm begging you to get help immediately. You said that you attend church. Well, whatever church that is, there are people, there are pastors, or a past, the pastor there is, is going to help you. They will be willing to help you. And so reach out. Don't even second guess if it's what the Lord wants you to do. Make that phone call immediately. And it breaks my heart to even read your question uh, because it's, you say in your question that it says that he has been abusive towards me the past few months. That means this has been going on for some time. And my heart breaks for you because this is not what the Lord wants for you. So please, please get help immediately. Yeah. You said, uh, I'm heartbroken and don't know what to do. Can you please help? Yes, we can. Like I said, 210-658-8337. If you can't get in touch with anybody at your church, call us here and we can help. Be praying for you, Anonymous. Oh, my heart breaks. The next question is from... Franklin, we, we are just inside of five minutes, now inside of four minutes, and so we'll, I think I have enough time for this question. No more time for your calls. I have a couple of questions here that I think we can deal with in time left. Franklin says, as Christians, can sin ever separate us permanently from God's love? Well, the answer to your specific question is no. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, but I'll caveat that by saying uh, uh, somebody who has been born again can't have a lifestyle of sin. Now, if you're talking, Franklin, about sin, uh, like occasional uh, momentary lapses of the flesh— we all do that. We all have that. And as we walk with Jesus, we're not perfect, but we, 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 we strive for perfection. And what that means is, though we're not completely sinless now, we will sin less often as we continue to walk with him. We'll never be in a place where we, we're completely sinless until these bodies have been exchanged for our glorified bodies. But in the meantime, because we have this thing called flesh, this ugly flesh is always drawn to sin. That's why we need to be closer to Jesus than we are to anything else. But sin in your life, occasional sin, and not a lifestyle of sin, but occasional sin, 
won't separate you permanently from God's love. Now, what sin will do, any sin will do, is separate you temporarily from Jesus. And this this distance we have from Jesus is an opportunity for the enemy to get in there and cause more discouragement. And so this is why we we need to keep short accounts with the Lord. If you sin, Franklin, repent quickly. From the moment we sin to the time of our repentance, that that duration should get shorter and shorter and shorter because real Christians who love Jesus repent quickly. They say sorry quickly. And that's how you mitigate the, the enemy's opportunities to mess with you. But the answer to your question is sin is not going to separate you permanently. It'll separate you temporarily. But that's when you repent. When you repent from your sin, First John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us that God is faithful to immediately restore us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us back into fellowship with him. And I love that. Our track record is completely erased. No spot, no stain, no blemish, no charges held against you. And uh, this is what real Christians do. So, Franklin, thank you for your question. Uh, it's an important one because you don't want to ever let sin dwell. You know, those that live like this, Paul writes to the Galatians and to the Corinthians that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if your lifestyle of sin separates you from Jesus, then yes, you have to ask if you're really saved. Don't forget that tonight we have our men's and women's and youth Bible study here at Calvary Chapel at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow I will be back on the air at 4 o'clock with the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken. I'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.